and welcome to Futures Focus, a fantasy baseball podcast centering around all the top prospects in the game, brought to you by Prospects 1500. My name is Alex Sanchez, and joining me per usual, we're back on the uh, the co-hosting, it's here, it's Nate Eckert. Nate, uh, welcome, it's getting pretty hot over here in California, are you surviving all right in the, the heat wave? Yes, as we were just talking about a second ago, we were asking each other whether or not we could hear our uh, our a- AC units, and uh, that's just that's just the way of life. Once July comes rolling around, and now that we're in August, um, if you're not cooling off your place pretty much all day, it's going to be a miserable night. So uh, we're locked and loaded. As far as uh, the icebox standard of of our living situation here, my fiance and I, I uh, I run pretty hot, so uh, I need I need that I need that ice cold uh, AC. Yeah, uh, it, it's that time of year. It definitely feels like it's hotter in August than it ever was. I remember growing up, it was like June and July were hot, and now it's just August is the crazy month. But with uh, perhaps. Perhaps the, the reason for the heat wave is how hot everything got during the trade deadline, although it wasn't Woo! the most exciting trade deadline. I feel like a lot of teams sort of just like sort of went for it. Like yeah, the Cubs, yeah. they're like, oh, oh, we're going for it. Here is Jamar Candelario, and that's it. <laughs> and, and like the Braves didn't – they got Brad Hand. It's like – but then other teams did some moves, went for it. Um, mm-hmm. So – it had some some deals, but the most important thing for people that listen to this podcast undoubtedly is the prospects that were moved. And so we're going to talk about those guys that were moved. Some of them are big names. Some of them a little lesser known names gives us a chance to talk about guys, you know, because just you're, if you're not hitting 350, but you're in low A and you have some decent tools, but we might not ever get to you um, uh, as a couple of these guys will be an example of. So. Um, I'm excited to go over the prospects that were dealt. And then I think what we'll do is we'll sort of grade the trade as well. I think that's always fun mm, we'll, we'll mm-hmm. and kind of see who got the better end of the deal um, in these trades. But before we do that, a couple of call-ups today and uh, the last week or so that we last spoke. The big one today was Curtis Mead getting the call to the majors. Curtis Mead is a, uh, a professional hitter. Um, he is of course a third baseman now for the Rays. He got, you know, it's a little bit longer than we would have maybe anticipated for Curtis Mead. Uh, injuries had something to do with that. But after he's come back from the in, uh, the uh, injury, he has hit 355 over 113 plate appearances, and uh, he gets the call up now. He's probably the short side of a platoon uh, as uh, against lefties but he did come in today and get that first hit so um i think we can probably safely both say curtis mead is a a very top end elite type of prospect now especially with the graduations the thing is though nate my question for you is what can he do to help us this year in the next couple of of months Mm. i mean not a whole lot if you're looking for somebody who's really going to uh, come in and, and, and take the world over, um, a la Sal Frelick, before he got banged up a little bit. Um, in fact, this is a good way of explaining it. Um, once I, because I, I picked up 
I picked up Mead in my uh, redraft league, and uh, then I realized that he was not starting. And um, once I figured that out, I I thought, well, okay, he's got to be on the short side of a platoon with uh, with Lau, and that's I'm I'm, pr- I'm almost positive that's exactly what happened. Now, given his talent, of course, like you just said, he came in pinch hit and he got his first major league. Uh, knock, which is excellent. So unless Brandon Lau or some other part of their infield goes down uh, for the foreseeable future, um, I don't see Meade really coming in and being an impact player for us this year. However, next year and all the years afterward, I, I mean, I have a feeling that they will find a place for him to play no matter what. I don't know where Lau is on his contract or anything like that, but uh, and he's been hitting the ball really well too. But sometimes, you know, if you're a right-handed hitter, you just get on the short stick of of the platoon, and that seems to be Meade's um, general vicinity. So, I, in in summary, I ended up dropping Meade after I picked him up in the same day, and I picked Frelick back up because I dropped him after we got banged up. So anyway, uh, and I did that because of roster necessity. I needed outfielders. But more more so than anything is the fact that it doesn't look like he'll be getting uh, the long end of the stick. It, it looks like he'll be getting the short end to, to start his career. Yeah, Curtis Mead, though, great hit tool, uh, pretty decent power as well, above average, uh, probably right now, perhaps more in the tank. You're looking at a 300 hitter that could hit 25 to 30 home runs, but not much speed, um, and he's you know, he's going to be a third baseman slash first baseman. Um, uh, you know, the Rays do crazy things. But the thing is about the Rays is that they are they are very predictable. So you're going to be able to look ahead and perhaps get him in there. Maybe a good way to uh, platoon yourself in fantasy. Uh, another mm-hmm. call up that we didn't get to in the last week or so was Tyler Soderstrom, who mm. is a catcher in quotation marks. Uh, maybe he <laughs> would catch more. If it wasn't for like that's Langoliers. I guess that's the only prospects the athletics go for are catching prospects. <laughs> but uh, Soderstrom's going to play a lot. He's a, a big power guy now. Um, wasn't always that way. He sort of sort of evolved into that now. Um, definitely their top prospect. Very similar type of hitting to power potential that Curtis Mead has, um, except he's mm-hmm. a left-handed hitter that could be eligible at catcher for a while. Um, he's off to a pretty good start here. Um, I mean, 200 with he, he. I mean, the last couple of days he's been a little rough, but he, hit, he did a home run um, yesterday. That was mm-hmm. his first, first career home run, so that was good to see. Hit 20 home runs already in AAA. So again, lot to like here. You just hate the A's, you hate the lineup, and you hate the stadium. But <laughs> if you can get past all of that, you're getting um, a guy that maybe sits for some tough lefties, but he should be playing a lot of the time. And um, just again, more like next year, be it ready to go for Soderstrom. I think he's going to be a a potential rookie of the year candidate next year. Is that safe to say? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, If he's not, he might uh, extinguish it this year. Perhaps, but if he doesn't, then yeah, I say he's uh, one of the front runners. Yeah. Uh, The Brewers who are in desperate need, so desperate that they traded for, uh, Mark Canna and uh, any offense they can take, they will get. Uh, 
And Ooh. that is coming in the form of Sal Freelich right now, who uh, a guy that I took a little bit for me to really buy into. But man, what a start to his career. He is wow. definitely earning every day playing time with the crazy things that he's able to do. He had a home run, five RBIs yesterday against the yesterday. Pirates. And uh, off to a, a phenomenal start. Cooled off a little bit. 273 now on the year. But an exciting player, a good fantasy guy. Hasn't stolen a base yet. Only eight um, all year. So that might not be something you're getting a lot of. But uh, what do you think of Sal Freelick going forward? And of those three, <clears throat> is that the guy that you would take in a redraft league? Yes, absolutely. Without question. Um, did you happen to see his debut, Alex? Uh, like each each hit and what he did? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was against the Braves, so I caught a lot of them. Um, mm-hmm, he was very mm-hmm. annoying that first game, <laughs> where I was like, and then the fans were going crazy for him. I mean, so we, we tend to do that with the Braves. We always let the rookies have really good debuts, pitching especially. But yeah, I saw a few. He's he's a good looking hitter. Yeah, he he's strong, right? And he's really athletic, but he also knows when to take his spots. Like in his first at bat, he simply just beat the he beat the uh, shift and, and and didn't slap it. I mean, it was it was a slap in in form, but he hit it pretty hard, and he just hit it where they weren't. And with his speed, um, there was another grounder that he hit uh, to the second baseman, and. Uh, the pitcher tried running over to first base to get the ball to be thrown to him. But by the time the uh, second baseman looked up and by the time the pitcher looked up, Frelick had already crossed first. So um, his speed is, is, is legitimate. And um, <clears throat> I love this saying is it's that uh, speed don't slump, you know, the speed doesn't slump. And uh, that's one thing that he has over both of those guys. Uh, in spades plus he's going to be getting everyday playing time so long as that crazy bastard doesn't go running into the wall uh anytime soon uh which is a very real possibility i mean that's why he was out the last couple of days but it appears that he's uh back at it and healthy uh he may oh he was over last time i checked earlier this earlier this evening but he did have an rbi so he just strikes me as one of those kids who just knows the game of baseball is going to go out and do the right things, uh, which coaches absolutely adore. Um, and therefore he's going to get you a lot of playing time and a lot of at bats. So yeah, I'm all in on, on Freelich. Yeah. So with Garrett Mitchell out for the year, um, mm-hmm. and Churio probably not getting the call anytime soon. Like I think there's a chance he gets a call up. But next year, Cheerio's going to be ready. Mitchell's going to be back. Weimer, Yelich, and Freelich in the outfield. And, you you know, you got some guys that really can't field, and Rowdy Telez and Jesse Winker. But who knows if they're <laughs> on the team next year. Mm-hmm. Um, man, that outfield. And they're all, like, the same type of player, in a sense. Like, they're all, like, 2020 guys with, like, that's kind of the upside, I think. Maybe... Mitchell has more stolen base opportunity, but they're like all 2020 guys and they're all kind of like Christian Yelich in a sense. It's kind of yeah, crazy. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Except Cheerio. Cheerio, I suppose, has like superstar potential. Oh, yeah. 
for sure. Yeah. Freelich doesn't necessarily have superstar potential, but he's going to be like a guy that is on a winning team. Like he, he's definitely not a bad player to have starting on like a first division team. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's, he's a, he's a damn good ball player. That much yeah. is, that much is. Um, let's see here. A couple of things that we should talk about too, with, uh, some of the trades that went down. You're going to see Brian Rocchio now, I think, a lot more for Cleveland. I think that's pretty exciting to see. Uh, the Orioles, we were really waiting for them to trade some of those guys. They did not. So that logjam sort of continues with Kowser and Westberg. And then Joey Ortiz is playing out of his mind in AAA right now. Kobe Mayo has uh, got the call up to AAA finally. So he's knocking on the door. <laughs> like, it's going to be very interesting how this plays out especially um next year like i think the orioles are ahead of schedule but when you're ahead of schedule you still have to go for it and they did they got you know jack flaherty that was a, a good move for them because that's really the weakness yes. but yes um it was interesting um any uh, there was one other debut i wanted to mention because i used to like this guy we talked to him uh, about him mm, a little bit mm -hmm. that's the former first round pick blake rutherford I remember him as a high schooler seven years ago for the Yankees, and I was all over him. He is 26 years old right now. Um, he hit 11 home runs, hit over 340 in AA and AAA this year, mm. and uh, got the call today for the Nationals. So that was kind of wow. cool. It's a guy like I was all in on for a while back yeah. in the day. But You and I both. He was in that same so. class as Moniac, wasn't he? Um, that might be right. Yeah, I think I, I think, remember them being very similar. I'll have to double check yeah. that. Yeah, is Moniac 2016. I could check that real quick. Yeah, he was number one overall, and then Rutherford, I remember I Moniac being 12. one. Uh, yeah, 2016, same same draft, and Rutherford yeah. also was from California as well. Uh, no, he was from New Jersey. Never mind, take the back. So Moniac was the California. Didn't he move to? I thought Rutherford was. Whatever. We shouldn't spend this much time on Rutherford. But just fun <laughs> to see him. I know lots of Yankees fans out there will be reminiscing about what they thought they had. Yes. So um, a lot of the other news and notes I think uh, we'll probably actually cover when it comes to the trades that we go over um, mm -hmm. as I'm looking through here. Um, anything else? I didn't miss any call-ups, I don't think, anywhere. No. Nothing. Not that I'm aware of. Uh, Marco Luciano was optioned back down to Sacramento, as was Emmett Sheehan after earning his first career save. That was interesting. <laughs> yeah, Doc Roberts yeah. there. That's for that's Doc Roberts for you right there, folks. I think we're ready for uh, a Mason Wynn call up pretty soon with the young yes. gone. Yes, definitely. And uh, AJ Smith Shaver. Uh, came up and got sent back down. So he's he's clearly the first guy up if anything else happens. Although it's nice to see Max Fried back today. Boy, and, wasn't it? Uh, Woo wee. Yeah. We'll just we'll just pretend that was the trade that the Braves made. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's been it's much better. Um, oh, Brandon Fott had a great start the other day. I think we should mention that. He's back up. Probably the best start of uh, his young career where he went to, I believe he went eight, seven innings, eight innings against the Giants. Gave up one run, but he looked really good. That slider's coming around. I hope he didn't give up on Fott. Um, his last start, 
Oh, you know, he went five and two thirds, gave up three earned runs. The start before that six innings, three earned runs, the quality start there. So um, that's after the three, that's three games after his call up back from triple a and uh, he's been fine in triple a. So uh, don't forget about this guy. The, the Diamondbacks need him desperately. So we'll get a lot of chances. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go ahead, take a quick break here. And then when we come back, we're going to break down all those trade deadline deals that we can get to talk about the prospects, tell you which teams won. This is a futures focus, Nate Eckert, myself, Alex Sanchez. We'll be right back. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. And we're back and diving into the uh, trade deadline deals here. It's always fun to do when we look at the prospects, because uh, if you're you're on MLB network or your local radio station or whatever, usually these guys get mentioned and they say, Oh, they're like the Yankees fifth prospect or whatever. And that's Mm -hmm. about it. But Mm -hmm. that's not what this show's about. We're about these guys. Let's start out with the big one. This was probably some of the most well-known prospects that got moved. It was the Justin Verlander coming over to the Astros from the New York Mets in exchange for outfielders Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford. Mm. Drew Gilbert, easily, I think, the number one prospect now for the Astros or was for the Astros. Clifford had a huge breakout campaign here. Um, it's, It's a lot to give up, but there's no there's no real sign that Verlander is slowing down anytime soon so i get it like this is probably the price he had to pay um and the i guess the thing is i like it feels like houston was the only place verlander wanted to go but that's i guess besides the point what do you think of this haul for the mets i'm sort of upset about it as a braves fan what are your thoughts yeah i I would be if i were a Braves fan because um i think it just all in lies with with drew gilbert uh from what we've seen from him thus far uh, in his major league, or I'm sorry, his uh, professional career, the, the kid has done absolutely nothing except for everything. I mean, he runs, he throws, he plays excellent defense in the outfield. He's uh, just a baller. He, he's immensely strong, uh, hits from the left side, I believe. And his his hit tool is the only thing uh, that I would say is is not plus, but Gilbert is a stud, a big stud in the making, and he's already he's already getting better as we speak. So I was really surprised um, that Gilbert was part of this package. I know the Astros didn't have a whole lot after, but you think of about a guy like Pedro Leon. And you, and you pair him with Clifford and then maybe another pitching prospect, perhaps the Mets go with something like that. But, I mean, the Astros have Justin Verlander. 
as their starting pitcher. They've already won at least one ring with him. <clears throat> so I get I get why they would want to go all out for Verlander. Um, but if I'm the Mets, my God, I am I am <laughs> beyond happy because you can tell Verlander didn't want to be in New York any longer and that, I mean, that franchise as a whole is just kind of a joke anymore. Uh, sorry, Mets fans. But I know that they had injury problems, etc. Uh, but they got the most that they could for Justin Verlander, in my opinion. And uh, huge get. Huge get for the Mets. Yeah. And Scherzer, too. We'll get to Scherzer in a second. But definitely, like, getting Gilbert and Clifford with, you know, Mauricio in there. Um, it's, it's definitely kind of remade their top 10 to be very competitive, but yeah, your point is very accurate with the Astros. Just not after Drew, Drew Gilbert for Verlander, who you're not getting as a rental you get for this year. And if you, if he pitches 140 innings, you get him for 2025 as well. So yeah, he's not young and, uh, he's coming, you know, off of Tommy John surgeries, but Still, you get him for a long time. So you, you had to pay you had to pay a top 50 guy, which is what Drew Gilbert is. And Clifford's probably mm-hmm. creeping in on the top 100 as well. He's a power guy. Um, I'll go ahead and talk about Clifford a little bit. A power guy, not much else. Um, he's not going to hit uh, for high averages. He is not a very great fielder, and he's not going to run a ton. Um, but the power is definitely real. And you can see it this year. I mean... The, these are guys, there's probably like, I don't know, 30 or 40 of these guys that have clear power and questionable hit tools. And then like 90% of them never develop it. And then like 10% kind of do. And then they become big leaguers. And it's maybe that, that Clifford is part of that 10% hitting 271 as a 19 year old in high A, 326 for his short stay in low A. 16 homers, but again, no stolen bases. He's not walking a ton either, but still that hit tool, you know, you, you kind of bring that down to the two forties, two fifties, and you're talking 30 home runs. That's the type of player you have in Ryan Clifford, definitely a guy that has raised his stock for a, an 11th rounder in 2022. So overall, I understand this cost for the Astros. Um, and if I'm them, I'm probably doing it as well. Um, Gilbert, uh, you you kind of had high praises for Gilbert, but you do need to mention that the majority of his year has been in Double A, where he's hitting 241 and six homers, six stolen bases, walking a, a good clip. But there are some struggles that are are out here. The ceiling's not super super high, but like you said, he does everything kind of above average um, if you uh, if everything hits. So. Overall, which side uh, do you think got the better end of the deal here, Nate? I think the, I think the Mets did. <clears throat> One thing about Gilbert you got to remember is that uh, he was just taken in 2022, albeit out of uh, Texas, I believe, or Tennessee. Yeah, it's Tennessee. But um, he was drafted in 2022. He's already in Double A. I mean, that is a pretty aggressive uh, assignment. But the reason they put him there is because he was obliterating the ball in high a so uh there's gonna be a bit of an adjustment period and i think that's exactly what we're seeing from gilbert um i don't think that there's anything to worry about as far as that's concerned and and clifford again uh another 2022 guy so 
Um, I, I think the Mets won because they weren't going anywhere this year. Uh, they're certainly not winning <laughs> in the NL East. And uh, I don't see them taking the uh, the uh, wild card either. So they may as well get as much out of Verlander as they can. And, uh, you know, given the year that Verlander had thus far, uh, you know, we've seen better stuff from him in the past. So uh, I think overall, uh, I think the Mets won this one. Yeah, that's that's tough to hear. I mean, I get it for the Astros. I certainly don't think it's a lot of like downside. I mean, I, I can't imagine Verlander is going to be ineffective for them. No, I mean, that's no, where he wants to be. All. He's now in the middle of a race, so it's going to probably yeah. pay off for him. Now, uh, let's move on. The Orioles, like I had mentioned earlier, did make a move for a pitcher, which they needed to do. It was actually a guy I was sort of hoping that the Braves would go for, thought he might be a good fit and the cost wouldn't have been that high. Although looking at this, the cost was, you know, it was a quantity type of deal. This was Jack Flaherty coming over from the Cardinals for an infielder, Cesar Prito, left-hander Drew Rom, and right-hander Zach Showalter. Um, no relation to Buck. But, <laughs> um, you know, you, you didn't get any of the top, you know, 10 guys, which in this system is would have been a very good get. Flaherty's a free agent. You can't expect that. But to get these three guys, you know, I, Drew Rom to me is kind of the the prized acquisition here. The lefty with, you know, a splitter curve and a fastball that are all sort of decent to, uh, you know, starter sort of repertoire. And if not, taking the DL Hall route to the bullpen can't can't really go wrong with that for the Cardinals. Um, on our list. That was released, I, I think the AL East came out first. But uh, we had Prierto at, uh, he was actually the high guy for our list at 15. Drew Rom was 18 and Zach was 37. So that gives you an idea. But this is a loaded system. So it's, you know, it's a little different than some other guys. But um, yeah, I like Rom a little bit. Prierto is more of a kind of a utility type of guy who can, Field can't really run, not a lot of power. Okay, hit tool, I suppose. Um, international signee from 2021, and then um, Zach Schulwalter couldn't tell you too much about, but uh, you know they got him. So there you go. <laughs> um, that's to me, that's quite a lot for the Flaherty. Am I just overhyping these Orioles prospects? Uh, perhaps. Perhaps. Uh, I'm pulling up Flaherty's numbers right now. You know, fr- from like pretty much 2019 on, we haven't seen the real Jack Flaherty whatsoever, right? I mean, I'm pretty sure 2019 was uh, was his last year where he was really, really, really effective. Yeah, 275 ERA, 097 WHIP, and uh, since then. He had uh, an okay 2021, uh, only had 78 innings pitched, a lot of injuries, etc. But the Flaherty of old and the Flaherty of new uh, aren't exactly the same pitcher anymore. But I would like to think that now being dealt to the Orioles, it's going to put a little more pep in his step, a little more, uh, little, a little extra uh, stuff little more junk in the chunk, if you will, on his breaking pitches and his fastball. Because, for one, 
it's not like it's not like the Cardinals were out of the playoffs by any stretch of the imagination. But sometimes guys just get a bit more comfortable than they should in certain organizations. And Flaherty had a lot of bad experiences in St. Louis injury wise. And sometimes that could just stay with a guy. So I like, I like the deal for Flaherty going to the Orioles. I don't think that the Orioles really paid a whole lot for him. Uh, I don't, I don't see Drew Rom doing a lot for the Orioles. And I, I mean, maybe he does better with the Cardinals because they have a better um, pitching development system. But uh, as far as Prieto is concerned, uh, I mean, okay. And the other guy, uh, Showalter, other than his name uh, being the same as Buck, I really couldn't tell you a whole lot about him. So uh, if I'm if I'm the Orioles, I'm pretty much thrilled about this uh, deal because they're getting exactly what they needed. And that's a starter who can come out. And if nothing else, he could provide you with the opportunity to win a game. And if, if we're looking at upside, I think Flaherty has an opportunity to really turn his entire career around this year. Yeah. I like Flaherty a lot. Great stuff. The control has been his kryptonite this year. And this is a way to do it, I think, if you're the Cardinals. You're not going to be getting a top 100 guy for Jack Flaherty for two months of Flaherty. Um, but to get three guys, maybe, you know, if one of those guys makes the big leagues and is somewhat productive over a five- to six-year span, that's a pretty good win for the Cardinals. And you got three guys, two of which I think have a good chance. Like, I think Rom will make it. And uh, yeah. Prieto has a, yeah. you know, 50-50 chance to be a utility guy, perhaps. Um, now... The Cardinals did make another move, and this was giving Paul DeYoung to the Blue Jays for right-handed pitcher Matt Svanson, S-V-A-N-S-O-N. Might be Vanson, might be Sanson. I don't know which one you pronounce exactly. <laughs> now, um, I kid, but he did not make our top 50 list for the Cardinals, which, um, I'm sorry, for the Blue Jays at the time. May have been an oversight. This guy's six foot five, 235, has a 1.53 ERA. However, um, he's coming out of the bullpen for two innings, one inning at a time. Um, so you just got a big, intimidating presence on the mound. But it's Paul DeYoung. I don't know what you were expecting for that. So we don't have to do much time on that. Now, uh, this other one's sort of interesting. Um, it's Paul, uh, Michael Lorenzen, all star, Michael. Lorenzen, by the way, um, gets dealt from the Tigers. He did sign a one-year contract in the offseason for the Tigers, so this will be a free agency year again, so it's a rental. He gets dealt to the Phillies in exchange for infielder Yu Lee, I believe is how you pronounce it. And uh, I'm actually, this is a pretty interesting one because Lorenzen is obviously a bit more stable than some of the other arms, but at the same time, Lee is a very intriguing prospect that the Phillies have developed and uh, got up to number five on MLB pipeline. Um, he's kind of does everything well, has a good approach at the plate and known for making contact. Uh, it's a guy that's probably going to be a big leaguer for the Tigers, especially the Tigers don't have a lot of uh, infielders that could potentially block him. So what did you think about this deal for the Tigers and the Phillies? Uh, I think it's pretty fair. Uh, I like it for both of them. I mean, 
yeah, the Phillies needed another uh, right-handed arm in Lorenzen. Um, now, you mentioned that he is an all-star. You're right, he is. I'm just not that big on Lorenzen myself, but you can't argue with the 3.58 ERA and a 1.14. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, his oh, last five starts in July, a 1.14 ERA. So, um. That's pretty damn good. He has a really good whip, 10, eh, basically 110. Uh, both are which uh, I would assume career highs as a full-time starter. Uh, and, and like you just said, uh, how you Lee, I think is an above-average prospect, and probably not fantasy-wise unless he can really run. But I think this kid is going to be a really good ball player. Um, I mean, he came over. Uh, from Korea at the ripe old age of, I think, like 20. And yeah, well, he's tw- yeah, he's 20 now. So it may have even been 18 or 19. Um, so I think the, I think the Tigers are, are, got a sneaky good return for Lorenzen. And uh, I, I doubt that Lee was on a lot of organizations like uh, depth chart as far as who they were going to shoot for. But I like it. I like it a lot because I like I like uh, how you Lee and I'm not that big of a guy on on Lorenzen. Um, I guess it comes down to whether or not they think they can trust him in the playoffs. And I can't remember the last time Lorenzen was in the playoffs. Uh, so I, I like it. I like it probably more more so for the uh, Tigers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think Flaherty and Lorenzen, like if I was looking at those two arms, I think I'd prefer Flaherty. And mm-hmm. I feel like the Phillies gave up more for Lorenzen. But here's the thing. They only, they're only they putting all their eggs in this basket, right? So it's two different ways of making a deal. You get three guys in the lower half of your top 30, or you can get a guy that's in the top 10, top five of your system, um, and then that's all you get. So they're both rentals, both very similar ups and downs in their careers. Um, Lorenzen's probably peaking a little bit more now than Flaherty, although Flaherty had a great debut. So it's quite interesting for, uh, for to look at those two. All right, moving on. Deals that always seem to get a little wonky are those relievers. So <laughs> let's talk about the Padres and the Royals, and that's Scott Barlow. Um, now, I know Barlow was having an okay year. Now, I have to be honest, I wasn't necessarily looking too hard at what he was doing out there in Kansas City. Um, so the last two years, he has been excellent. And then this year, not so much at a five ERA. Um, the strikeouts are kind of in line. Everything seems to be in line. He's walking more people, I guess, this year would be the thing. Um, had a, a few blow-up games that are kind of ruining that ERA, I suppose. So... Um, yeah, so there you go, Scott Barlow. What would you expect, you know, a guy? Let's see the contract here. He uh, will be a free agent. So it is another rental. You don't get him for much longer. And the Padres gave up Henry Williams, who I kind of like, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. For the for the Padres, I have to go and, and double-check where I had him. I didn't have him. I had him decently high, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Pipeline has him at nine over uh, for, uh, I'm assuming, Kansas City now. But he may have been even higher for San Diego. I had Henry at 
22. And I'm pretty comfortable with that. Like, I like, I'm looking at my list again. It's been a few weeks since I've been. I'm like, I like all these guys above him quite a lot more than Henry Williams. And that's saying something because the system's not great. So, right. anybody that's going to blow you away, 5.7 ERA and low A. Um, as a 21-year-old, he is a starter, um, striking out about one per inning. He's okay. Yeah, I, I, I don't have a lot more to, to get Royals fans too excited about him. <laughs> um, but again, you gave up a, a guy, a Scott Barlow, who has, you know, coming off of a, a few good years for sure, but at a five ERA, um, a little bit higher. So um, what are your thoughts on that, on that deal, deal real quick? Um, you know, the Padres, I don't, I'm not entirely sure what they expect to get from Barlow uh, for the rest of the season. As we said, he's a rental um, I guess they're hoping for the best because Barlow has really nasty stuff and he's been a really good closer for the past couple of years. The reason why he went uh, under the radar is because frankly, Kansas city just doesn't win many ball games, but, um, the last few years, uh, Barlow could have had 35, 40 saves easy, just given his stuff alone. So maybe they know something that we don't, uh, that would be pretty, uh, fair to assume, considering that they're the San Diego Padres and uh, we are a futures focus. But um, at the same time, you know, the guy's really reeling. He's really having a hard time finding the strike zone. But at the same time, Henry Williams doesn't exactly uh, light the world ablaze as far as excitement is concerned. So uh, I like the deal for the Padres as much as I hate to say it. I don't exactly look forward to seeing how Scott Barlow uh, progresses uh, when when the Dodgers face him for the first time in the playoffs. So, um, yeah, not a big fan of uh, the Barlow acquisition, and uh, I feel like the Royals could have gotten a little bit more for him. Yeah, I think some teams might have been desperate. But, you know, Henry Williams is somebody that you take a look at and you may think that there's something to unlock. Six foot five, 200 sure. pounds. So you think there's more that you could put on there. Um, I'm sure, you know, I haven't seen him live. I didn't get a chance to this year. Um, I'm assuming being just in a professional setting, he's higher than that, I'd hope. As, but he is 21. So, like, if you're a six foot five, 200 pound, 18 year old, you're, you're pretty excited. But a 21 year old, I'm not sure. But um, maybe. Maybe the Royals see something that they can unlock in him because the, the frame's mm-hmm. there. Um, mm-hmm. Coming off an injury in college, lowered his stock, still a third rounder. Nobody, he's not a nobody for sure. I mean, I just don't think that um, it was going to work out in San, in San Diego, Diego. But San Diego definitely has a better path to the big leagues in terms of getting him there at least. So yep. we'll see what yep. happens with that. Um, one that sort of caught me off guard here was the Marlins and how many moves that they made during the deadline one of their last minute ones this one I, I think i got news of after the deadline even a few minutes it was the marlins getting josh bell from the guardians um for infielder gene segura and khalil watson so don't need to talk about gene segura too much but uh khalil watson um change of scenery this could be something that turns a career around um would you have given up that type of name for josh bell uh, yeah, I would, because I think it was pretty apparent that Watson was not happy in Florida 
And I don't think that Florida or Miami was happy with Watson either, frankly. Uh, I mean, first rounder, he was the longest holdout after he was drafted. Uh, if you want to call it holdout and more negotiations, but I mean, uh, he was the last one to sign after being drafted and Watson just has not had any form of like consistently strong positive things that the Marlins have been saying about him ever since he uh, was drafted. So I think this was their best way to, to basically end that chapter and in Josh Bell. Hey, Bell, Bell with the Pirates toward the latter years of his of his tenure with the Pirates was a damn good hitter. Uh, just over the past couple of months for the Guardians, Bell has been on fire. And now that he's with the Marlins, I think he may even be a better fit uh, than he was in the Guardians because this is exactly what I'm thinking the Guardians thought about Josh Bell. Even though he was a great hitter and from both sides of the plate, Josh Naylor is their future at first base. And I think this was basically just saying goodbye to Josh Bell because they believe in Naylor. Now, it's unfortunate that Naylor ended up coming down with an injury literally the day that they traded Josh Bell, an injury that's going to see Naylor miss uh, three to six weeks. But um, all, all, all said, you know, at the end of the day, I think they got rid of a, a really big contract because Bell was making lots of money. And Miami has that in spades, I would assume now. And the Guardians need to make some room. So um, I like Khalil Watson going to the Guardians because I feel like uh, um, Tito is one of those no-nonsense type of guys who, frankly, will tell Watson exactly what he needs to hear. And if that's, you know, shape up or ship out, uh, then so be it. So I like this deal on both ends for both teams. Yeah, it's just another middle infielder for the Guardians, which is annoying. Um, Josh Bell does have a player option for $16 million next year as well, so it's not a rental. You know what you're getting with Josh Bell. You're getting 20-ish home runs, a switch hitter, and not much um, in terms of defense. And, you, you know, he's going to walk a nice clip as well um, throughout his career. He's just a good player. There's no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. And the fact that, you know, the Marlins are willing to give up on Watson with what that means for their drafting and organization and stuff like that is, mm. is a very interesting way to look at the deal, I suppose. You could, you mm-hmm. could say, okay, well, they, they had to give this guy up or that they're giving up on him or whatever you want to say. So, yeah, the Marlins went for it for sure. Um, all right. Another Padres deal that we can talk about was Rich Hill and – and G-Man Choi coming from the Pirates in exchange for Jackson Wolf, Estuar Suero, and Alfonso Rivas. Don't need to talk about Rivas. He's been around for quite a while. But uh, old man, 43-year-old Rich Hill, <laughs> heading on over to the Padres and throwing that curveball, you know, 75% of the time. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, this is quite a bit to give up in my mind. I really liked... Wolf, he did come up and make a, a spot start, got his win uh, in mm-hmm. his major league debut. He's definitely not ready for for prime time yet, but he's six seven. 
he is um, a left-hander, and he's sure. super young. He was, you know, ready for maybe one more year or so at AAA and ready to help you out next year. That's quite helpful. Um, and then uh, Suero is also quite good in my eyes um, as an outfielder. He, uh, um, yeah, he kind of came up on me a little bit um, as opposed to my beginning of the year um, list. I'm going to see where I had him on there as well. I had him up at 26. So, right, um, you know, I, I think he's he's 17. He's super far away. But what I've seen so far has uh, impressed me enough to, to jump him up into the top 30, which is pretty pretty decent for a 17-year-old. He's hitting 216 right now. But don't forget, 17 years old, um, shows the ability to uh, steal some bases, smart hitter. Um, Super far away, but definitely a nice. This is a guy that can explode and and be a lottery ticket. Um, is six he five one eighty? Wow, six five one eighty. Is he at the? Uh, is he in the states yet, or is he at the Dominican? Yeah. yeah, he's in rookie league. So, so okay, great. Wow, he he's got well, a ways exciting. to go. There's no doubt. But to me, Jackson Wolf is the guy that's. Um, I don't know. I I would not think I would trade Jackson Wolf. For either if for either of those guys, to be honest, but mm-hmm. he is 24. He's you know he is he's a little older. He's not going to throw. He, he's tapped out. You know in terms of his what he is, he's just refining things now. Um, he's throwing 88, 89 in his in his debut, and that that's about what he is. But he's very command oriented. Knows what he's doing out there. 105 strikeouts and 88 innings this year at AAA. It's just he's he's a major league starter. He's not a front end starter. He's a four or five starter. But, you know, for a 43 year old guy that I I can't believe is still pitching and, mm-hmm. you know, a platoon bat, it's quite a bit <laughs> with a with a lottery ticket mixed in. And Alfonso Rivas isn't a nobody. I mean, he's a big leaguer. He was leading off for the Pirates <laughs> the other day. So <laughs> he's not a nobody either. So to me, this is quite an overpay for the Padres, which I'm sure you're glad to hear. Nate. Yeah. I am. And uh, if anybody knows uh, Rich Hill's MO, it would be the Dodgers because he was with them for a few years. And uh, the oddest thing about Rich Hill is that his lefty righty splits actually favor the righties. He's better. He's better. He's a better pitcher against right handed hitters than he is left handed hitters, if you can imagine that. Um, And G Man Choi, I mean, okay, whatever. But I'm with you on Wolf. I like Wolf, West Virginia product. Um, and to hear about Suero, man, that kid, that, those are some really great numbers that you just threw out at me as far as measurements and uh, age, uh, being in the States already. I mean, at 17, 6'5", I mean, come on. That Usually when you're 17, you're still in the Dominican if that's, if that's where you're from or anywhere in South America. Uh, to make it to the States uh, before you're 18, that in and of itself says something. So um, I like this deal a lot for the Pirates, and I don't like it really at all for the Padres. So I think that was a big win for the Pirates and a big loss for the Padres. Yeah, the pitching is something I think that's going to be the last key to the puzzle for the Pirates. Paul Skeens, Jackson Wolf, Mitch Keller, like – you're starting to see the outlines of a playoff rotation there. Um, Absolutely. So, all right, let's go ahead and try. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Nate. 
I was just gonna say, like you said, you know, he he's not he's not a, a front line starter, but he could be a three, a four, or five. And when you've got Skeens and Mitch Keller and uh, perhaps Jared Jones uh, coming up, you know, uh, there's 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 gonna be a spot for a guy like Jackson Wolf, and I think that would be more or less a perfect piece to the puzzle. He's just a young Rich Hill, essentially. I mean, you're <laughs> yeah, getting a costume Rich Hill. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go ahead and uh, we'll, we're going to have to skip some of these deals um, just to go over the more interesting ones as we are running out mm-hmm. of time. But uh, the one that was probably the biggest shock in terms of names that you didn't see uh, expect to go was Marlins and the White Sox exchanging Jake Berger for lefty Jake Etter. Um, very interesting trade that doesn't make a lot of sense on the uh, outset, but when you started to see some of the other moves that the Marlins were making, makes a lot of sense. They de- they need some offense. They have plenty of pitching. It seems like to go for it this year. Edder isn't going to be up anytime soon. Coming off of to- um, coming off of Tommy John surgery this year, um, very high end potential for Edder with a lot of risk as well. So uh, let me hear your take on this. Um, and tell me which team you think came out on top with this one. This is kind of a, a surprise one. I think the Marlins came out on top uh, for Berger, uh, for sure. Um, Eater has tons of risk. And given what he was doing in the Miami system where, I mean, if, if it's, almost, it's almost like a predetermined outcome that you're going to be a strikeout pitcher and you're going to be just nasty. Right. And, and that's what either was or is, but he comes with so much injury risk. I don't know that I can't even remember the last time this guy had a full season uh, of health. Now I could be completely wrong, but I don't think I am. I just have this feeling that he just hasn't been healthy really at all since the Marlins took him. Um, Berger, on the other hand, absolutely obliterates the ball. I mean, this guy, he's only 27. You think of him, he looks older because hes he doesn't have like the big, you know, Luis Robert type body by any stretch. But my God, the guy hits the ball at a really high clip, really high uh, exit velocity, really high average exit velocity, and uh, really high barrel rate. So, um, it, it, it does become pretty apparent what the Marlins were doing uh, over the trade deadline. And I think they got a couple of great corner infielders for what they gave up in Josh Bell and Jake Berger. Um, you know, Berger was probably itching to get out of uh, Chicago. And uh, I think it's a great fit. You, you sit him alongside uh, Soler, Jesus Sanchez, um and Jazz, you know, I mean, that, that's a pretty good offense if they can all stay healthy and, and gel together, especially with the pitching that they have. So um, you got to give it to the Marlins for for going after these guys. And I like it. You know what? I like this deal for both sides. It reminds me of a deal the Marlins did a few years ago with Zach Gallen and Jazz Chisholm, where both mm. teams are pretty happy with the results of it. I think that both teams are going to be pretty happy with this. Eater has a lot of potential. And, yeah, the injuries have, have come up and crept in. But it's a Tommy John. It's not like it's anything that's been 
crazy in terms of, I mean, Burgers had the, the Achilles issues, right? I think that's what he had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Limited mm-hmm. him. I think even mm-hmm. with two Achilles. As well. So he's yeah. certainly yep. at risk for injuries too. Now he's a position player, of course, but um, to me, I think both these guys are going to be productive big leaguers. I think Berger fills a need for the Marlins and Eater definitely fills a need for the White Sox at the moment, which is going to be pitching, especially after, uh, you know, trading Giolito and, you know, Cease doesn't seem to be long for there now. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kopech is also an injury. So there's, you know, it's, I think it's going to work out pretty well for both teams. So definitely an mm-hmm. interesting one. Let's see here. I'm moving down the list. We need to talk about the one because you mentioned about the first baseman of the future for the Guardians. And I think that they have another guy in mind. Let's get to that one. Where is yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's few of these. I guess we could go quick on some of these because they're they're interesting. I'll get I'm obviously referring to the Manzardo trade, but um they, I, honestly there's a few that I didn't even catch that were <laughs> I want to go over. So, um what about your Dodgers and Ryan Yarborough for Devin Mann and Derling Figueroa in 50 seconds or less? Absolutely love it. Uh, Yarbrough is a proven uh, postseason pitcher no matter where they put him. Devin Mann was never going to make it uh, to the big league roster in Los Angeles. Figueroa, honestly, I haven't heard of him. So, uh, yeah, uh, big win for the Dodgers, especially after Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Um couple of other names. I mean, if we're living in the past here, Alex Jackson was dealt to the Rays. Luis Patino was uh, acquired from the Rays uh, to the White Sox. I didn't see that one for cash. That's interesting. I used to love Patino. I had him number two with uh, Abrams there for a while and Gore. I, I think I had Gore. No, I think I always had Gore ahead of him, but um, interesting there. Um, Tucker Davidson. To the Royals, another kind of a prospecty name. Yeah. Dominic Leone from the Mets. Dominic to Leone, yeah. For Jeremiah Jackson. Uh, what about the Seawald trade? That was Paul Seawald going to the Diamondbacks for Josh Rojas, who's a big leaguer, Dominic Canzone, and Ryan Bliss. Kind of a interesting thing wow. for the Mariners. They're, they're not tearing it down, but definitely retooling, I guess. Yeah, um, and getting some pieces there that could definitely help them. Yeah, I wasn't even aware of that trade. So they got rid of, they got rid of Paul Seawald, their closer. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, they got Four Munoz. Those names. I guess who they've always yeah, wanted to be their true. closer. That's true. They do have Munoz, and uh, and uh, I guess that's that's good for both teams because Arizona definitely needed a uh, a closer, and um, I like Ryan Bliss a lot. All that guy has done is hit for a really high clip. Uh, in every stage of his career. Canzone just made his debut not long ago, uh, but is super crowded in a super crowded outfield in uh, Arizona. So that's a good that's a good trade, I think, for both teams. Yeah. And with Kelnick out, I would imagine Canzone gets to play a lot to see what Absolutely. they have and maybe yeah. some trade capital for next year um, yep. if they need it. And Josh Rojas is a very nice uh, – he's definitely better than like Dylan Moore who they have as oh, a yep, utility absolutely. guy. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, now, the other one, uh, there, here it is. It's the uh, Aaron Savali 
for Kyle Manzardo. I was, uh, was kind of shocked that the Rays were giving Manzardo for Zavalli. Um, I know how Zavalli has been doing. I have him on a fantasy team. Um, he's been, you know, he was injured for a little bit, but before and after the injury, he has been phenomenal. I'm not sure how he's doing it because he isn't like the most eye popping in terms of the stuff that he has, but Zavalli's been fantastic this year. Manzardo kind of has his has had his struggles due some to many different factors, but uh, man, what a what a deal there! What do you think of that one, Nate? Um, shocked, really shocked. Uh, not sure that I love it for Manzardo, although um, I, I I like Cleveland's uh, system as a whole. I know that they're highly taught. Uh, I know that they're highly um, pitching is what they're known for, but I, I like their development system at all, at, at all points. And maybe, maybe there was something behind the scenes. We just didn't understand about Manzardo and Tampa. Maybe Tampa was uh, really relying upon bringing them up this year and it just didn't happen for him at the higher levels. Um, I, I think he probably just needed another year to develop, but we'll see. And uh, Savali is so is so the anti Tampa Bay pitcher, but for them to go for him uh, before the playoffs, uh, maybe it's like for uh, insurance in case Taj Bradley continues to miss strike zone like it's his job, and or uh, Glasnow inevitably gets hurt and you know, has a uh, hangnail that costs him 90 days or something like that. So um, it, it's it's a very confusing trade. And I think that they caught, they, they probably could have got Savali for someone far less touted than, um, than Manzardo. I mean, that with the, with their, with their system and, and their, their number of players that they have that, that could, you know, they could put two together for Savali. I don't know why they had to give up Manzara for him, but it is what it is. Uh, I think, I hope Manzara makes the most of this. I hope he doesn't take it as a, uh, as a downturn because it's obvious that, that Cleveland wanted him. So he's got to be excited about that. Yeah. Two teams that I think we always come back to as great development organizations and, uh, the Guardians seemingly selling high on Savali, um, coming off a 4.9 ERA last year. Um, and then Manzardo seemingly selling low on a guy that was like a top 10 ready to go prospect for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But both included. of these teams like know what they're doing as well. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'll see yeah. see what comes of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the Angels went for it to try to keep Otani around. They were able to acquire CJ Crone and uh, former angel Randall Gritchick from the Rockies in exchange for Jake Madden and uh, Mason Albright. I know Albright has some supporters, but that's, that's a pretty good deal for the angels. I think. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think you said it perfect that uh, Albright has some supporters, but man, oh man, that's a, uh, that's a hell of a deal for the angels. CJ Crone and that and Grichik for that matter in that in that lineup with uh, yeah. with all those other boppers. Woo-hoo-wee. Yeah, you get Just, to do some 
raise things with, uh, you know, Mastakis and Crone and Grichik and Rangifo. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can make some matchups now and Trout comes back as well. So, yeah, um, not really working because they still like lose every other day and got <laughs> for the Braves, but we'll see what they can do. Um, Jordan Montgomery goes to the Rangers as well as Chris Stratton. Um, in exchange for a guy we've talked about a few times here, Thomas Agassi, um, uh, Takoa Roby, and John King. These are some uh, decent names. But again, Jordan Montgomery's been pretty good this year. Um, mm-hmm. Three-ish ERA, had a great start today. Thomas Agassi got off to a, a horrible start, made me look stupid. Um, <laughs> has, re- has really turned it on lately. Um, and a guy that I'm, I'm a big fan of. I mean, he uh, after the struggles... He was up to 319 in double A, um, mm. 15 homers, eight stolen bases. I mean, this this is the going rate for a guy like Jordan Montgomery. I get it. Um, but and especially when you see like Manzardo for Zavalli, you got to give up somebody yeah. for this. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, this might come back and uh, and haunt the Rangers. But the Rangers are going for it for sure. Yeah, they are. I didn't really follow Montgomery too much. How was he? doing i know he was like yeah montgomery's he's uh you know thing is about montgomery is that he's getting it done somehow like none of his peripherals really point to him being as good as he is like his expected fip is higher than his fip his expected weighted on base average is higher than his actual weighted on base average you're just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop but it just hasn't thus far so he's been about the same guy too for the last three years so it's like oh, a case study yeah. do you want Savali who is having a breakout year or do you want the guy that's been slightly less good um but has been consistent for the last three years and the price obviously is more for Savali I think Manzardo is definitely probably more than you know Sagesi and oh, yeah. Roby although Roby's yeah. pretty good too in his own right we should probably talk about him well get him up here got to Really move around here. So Takoa Roby, 4.68 ERA, 45 strikeouts in 42 innings, coming off of 126 strikeouts last year. Um, pretty, pretty, you know, intriguing profile you have here. Um, so yeah, you don't get the the name of Manzardo, but two guys that could really make it to the big leagues in some capacity mm-hmm. and shortly, mm-hmm. like they're they're not too far away. I'm trying to look up. Roby's uh yeah so uh fastball curveball slider change up pretty decent velocity six foot one 185 not a lot of build to him so I guess he you know I, I liked him for a while so we'll see what happens with that one I, I who would you rather have Montgomery or Savali do you think um I'd probably go with Montgomery I I hmm. uh I haven't been paying much attention to Savali at all. Uh, I, 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 di- I did own Savali the past couple of years, um, but uh, in the end, he always ended up screwing me. So this year, I, uh, I, I didn't really pay much attention to him whatsoever. Um, now, Montgomery, on the other hand, uh, ever since he left New York for uh, the Cardinals, and again, here's another system. Even if it's not in the minor leagues, even the pro system, the um, development that they show, uh, uh, an organization like the Cardinals, they can turn a player around like Montgomery, who doesn't throw very hard, 
but he has a killer arm slot and a killer sweeper, curveball, slider, whatever you want to call it. And as long as his control is legit, Montgomery will eat innings for you. And, of course, he'll save your bullpen, which is so important in the playoffs. Yeah. I think I'd agree with you if it wasn't the Rays. Like, I feel like you almost have to just trust the Rays at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. The Rangers and their pitching, their track record's a little up and down. The Rays, sure. seemingly everybody sure. that goes into that rotation is like a 2-5 ERA guy. <laughs> and Yeah, I could, I could see. already uh, a 2-5 ERA guy. I could see Savali getting better, of course, too, going to the Rays, you know, even though he was with the Indians, which, I mean, honestly, I think the Rays and the Indians in the American League are like 1A, 1B, and I'm not going to say which one is 1A, 1B as far as pitching development is concerned, but you just can't imagine Savali going to the Rays and not getting better. I cannot say the same thing for Montgomery and Texas, so maybe I'll change my answer to Savali, maybe just for that for that point only. You're going to have to take a shot because I think you said Indians there instead of Guardians. Uh-oh. <laughs> Drinking game. Yep. Listen to the podcast and how many times they say the Indians. Okay, uh, let's let's stay with the Rangers here because they also acquired Max Scherzer, and this is a guy that you want on your team in the playoffs, much like Justin Verlander. So remember, Verlander was uh, a Logan Gilbert and Orion Clifford. Scherzer costs the Rangers Luis Angel Acuna. A very familiar last name. Um, Acuna having a fantastic year um, in double A as a 21-year-old. Super raw. Not like his brother. Don't get don't get too excited. But uh, he's trying to keep up with him with 42 stolen bases. Eight homers, 323 in double A. So, this guy is becoming a e, very similar to where Logan Gilbert is. I think they're pretty roughly uh, the same. In fact, uh, who would you rank higher if you had to do your top 100 right now, Acuna or Drew Gilbert? Uh, I would I would put Gilbert higher than, than Acuna, but, um, but I think they're pretty damn close, though. Yeah, they're super close. Now, with Scherzer, looking at the contract, uh, trade to the Rangers. He has, he, oh my gosh, he exercised his $43.3 million player option for 2024. <laughs> so you get him next year for this low, low price of $43 million. <laughs> 50 million. <laughs> so much like Verlander, you're getting him for more than one year. So very similar deal, honestly. Like yeah. I, I don't even know. I'd have to look into it. I, I think I might prefer Acuna over, uh, Gilbert, but at the same time, I don't want $43 million Max Scherzer next year. Mm. But Mm-mm. but in the playoffs, if he does it, it's worth it, obviously. Right? Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. All right. Um, here's a trade for the Dodgers that I absolutely love because I've loved Lance Lynn for so long. And I know Dodger fans all love Joe Kelly because he made faces at the Astros. So <laughs> you get Lance Lynn, you get Joe Kelly, and you have to give up Nick Nastrini, Jordan Lashier, and Trace Thompson. Goes back to the White Sox, of course. That's pretty cool. Uh, what did you think of that deal, Dodger guy? Um, before Lance Lynn's start the other day, where he went seven, got the win, and uh, saved our bullpen, uh, those vital, vital innings. Uh, 
before that start, I hated it because I love Nick Nastrini, period. Uh, UCLA kid. I know he had a bit of a struggle this year in double A, but I think perhaps that was more, I don't really know why, but I, I, I'm still on the Nastrini train. Um, but after seeing Lynn go seven, um, hearing his uh, in-game interview the next night, because I watch every Dodgers game every night, so I, I get to you know listen to these guys, and you can just see it in his eye that it must have been killing him playing for the White Sox. Um, he, he wants to win. He wants to win now, and and being at his age, that's exactly what he's looking for with the Dodgers. So. I think it came down to when, when this deal was made, are we going to get Lance Lynn, uh, you know, nine earned in, uh, um, in an inning and two thirds, or are we going to see Lance Lynn eight innings, 16 strikeouts, you know, one, one of the two, but because it honestly, it felt like this year is one or the other every start. Um, but we got one in the middle in his first start for the Dodgers, it was at Dodger Stadium, which was great. So I think it really set a precedent for Lynn where he could trust his defense a whole hell of a lot more than he could in Chicago. So I, he was just throwing strikes. I loved his approach. You know, his fastball is not overpowering by any stretch of the imagination, but he's got a sweeper that breaks about 55 inches horizontally. And it is just disgusting. Um, so he, and then he'll, he'll, he'll catch, uh, hitters off guard with like a 93 mile an hour heater that he locates really, really well. And Joe Kelly, um, on top of Jason Hayward, on top of, uh, you know, Will Smith, all these guys that we have. Oh, uh, who's the other one? Uh, the freight train. Um, uh, what's his name? He was a outfielder for Arizona forever. Used to be a pitcher. Now he's an outfielder. Um, God, I can't remember his name for some odd reason. But um, he's one of those guys that you want in your dugout at all times because he just makes the atmosphere that much lighter. He's always kidding around. He's a really great guy. I've met him before. Uh, Big, big, big Joe Kelly fan. And um, if we face the Astros this year, Oh, man, that would be something else to watch Joe Kelly go against those Astros again. Um, other than this, Nick Nastrini, I'm sorry, but, you know, good riddance, Trace, and uh, Jordan Lazier. Lance Lynn definitely wants to win, which is nice. And he's striking out, like, the highest of his career right now. It's a good player, good player. Um, yes. Proven and then, player. Yeah, proven. A guy you want on the playoffs for sure. And yes, then Joe Kelly, yes. not Joe Kelly, sort of hasn't, you know, <laughs> as the Astros would like to say, he's kind of done nothing since that time <laughs> that he <laughs> called out. Yeah, but correct. the thing is, the thing is with Kelly is that he and uh, Iovaldi single-handedly beat us that year in in the World Series when the Red Sox beat the Dodgers. Uh, they were so locked in that those two alone basically handed us the loss. And yeah. since then, we've been looking for that Joe Kelly. We never really got him. But 
I think he's still there. Yeah. Um, all right. One last deal. This was uh, probably the last one that we need to talk about. It was the Angels again. This was the buy mode deal that started it all. Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez in exchange for Kai Bush and Edgar Cuero. So uh, Giolito, a free agent again. So we've talked about free agents with Lorenzen and Flaherty. Um, so you're not getting him for long and you're giving up quite a bit here. Now, granted, um, for fantasy purposes, I'm not sure you're giving up like guys that um, you're going to be crazy about. But Edgar Carrero in real life is a very um, intriguing catching prospect. And Kai Bush as a left is also quite intriguing guys that maybe they don't set your fantasy team on fire. But in real life, they're going to be awesome for the White Sox. I think uh, the Angels might regret this considering uh, I think I last looked 8% chance for the Angels to make the playoffs now. You're giving up those two guys. This is how you sort of, this is what got you into this mess in the first place. Yep. Angels, yep. you didn't trust your development system. You're going to lose Giolito. Um, and Ronaldo Lopez is awesome. Looked great. Um, but he's been inconsistent as well throughout his career. So uh, this is not a, this is not what I would have done if I was the Angels, although it may be fair enough, but I'm not, I'm not looking to do this if I'm the Angels. No, no. Terrible. Terrible trade, in my opinion. Uh, Giolito has not been the Lucas Giolito uh, of yore. And uh, Ronaldo Lopez, I, I can't trust him as far as I could throw him. So um, Kai Bush and, and Quiero uh, are both, uh, in my in my book, top 15 uh, prospects for uh, the Angels and therefore for the White Sox as well. So, um, yeah, the White Sox made out in this deal, in my opinion. Now, to be fair, the Angels do have a very good catcher that they're waiting on in uh, Logan O'Hoppy to come sure, back. So sure, perhaps it's a, sure. an area of strength for sure. But, uh, yeah, I feel like you're not going to be happy with Giolito. And, and <laughs> the other day, the Braves welcomed him to uh, Atlanta. Yeah, he got uh, shelled. Nine, nine earned runs and <laughs> yep. in three and two thirds. So yep. uh, Giolito's had his moments, but he's actually been okay this year. But uh, you're not getting the guy that we saw that was like a Cy Young Award candidate back in you know 2019 when yeah, he struck out 228 guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not quite getting that. But um, no. we'll see. We'll see what the Angels will do with that. It'll be like, why don't the Angels ever make the playoffs? I hear that all the time. I'm sure you do too around Southern California with like mm-hmm. fringe mm-hmm. baseball fans. I just don't get it. It's like, well, it moves like this that really cost you. <laughs> yeah. We'll yeah. Maybe – Maybe it gets them to the playoffs. Like, honestly, the Angels can get to the playoffs. They are dangerous. But I don't know if they can get to the playoffs. That's I crazy. don't know that they can get there. Yeah. I don't see them getting healthy, there. Healthy Trout. You know, Tani's going every, you know, two, twice in the series. Yeah. Sick. But Ren, Renfro gets uh, gets gets hot at the right time. CJ Crone now also. I mean, they, they will have a very potent, powerful lineup. But if you get a, a strikeout thrower who hits the edges, uh, other than Trout and uh, and uh, Otani, you could probably strike out that entire lineup three times. Yeah. Uh, wasn't know, wasn't scared of those guys. They lost again today. They're now 56 and 55. They're behind the Mariners who were selling. But I, I think here's what it is, and I'll end with this, is that 
the Angels don't really think that they're they're gonna. Although this trade is like not a great move, but I think they would rather give up a guy like Cuero and Bush for the fact that they didn't have to trade Otani because <laughs> they yeah. should have sold. But that yeah. meant trying to trade Otani, and that was just too complicated for the Angels, right. I think. Right. And they're right. like, screw it, we'll just pretend we're in buy mode. <laughs> and then we can at least, you know, we'll lose Otani for whatever, but at least we don't have to try to trade him. So, yeah, that's my theory. <laughs> all right, Nate, that's going to do it. We went over all the trades, I think. Uh, interesting stuff. A lot of fun here in the last couple of weeks of the season. Um, I know the Braves and Dodgers are coming around here pretty soon, too. That should be a fun Uh-oh. test for both Uh-oh. teams. Oh, yeah, big time, big time. I don't know that fun is the right word. I don't think it's ever fun facing that 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 lineup of your guys. Is... Although I do I do own Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albies in my redraft now. I made a big yeah. trade uh, before the deadline. So you must yeah. be going to win it all. Then. <laughs> hoping, hoping so. Yeah. All right, my friend, this is Futures Focus. My name is Alex Sanchez. Joining me, as usual, is Nate Eckert. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Um, We have a very special episode coming next. This is actually episode number 99, Nate. And we have episode one. Yes, tonight. And next episode will be 100, according to my calculations. So we are going to go all out for that one. It might take us a little bit. So if you don't hear from us for a couple of days extra, it's because we're doing something awesome for the top 100. We have, yeah, have some ideas. I'm not going to share with them. Just be ready for that. It's going to be super awesome. So uh, keep look, keep on the lookout for that in in short order. So uh, until next time, Nate, 99 episodes yeah. down. We'll see you for the big 100 in a in a date to be determined, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Can't wait. All right. We're out. <laughs>